what you do in a B-movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. internet travelers and welcome once again to the before and after show as always i'm your co-host mj smith and i'm your other co-host Corey tyndall and this week we are lucky enough to be joined again by a guest uh the same guest as last week mike moray welcome back hey thank you um we are here to talk about civil war and what we thought about it but before we jump into that uh we've established before recording that i'm (laughs) the only person who saw something this week and i saw spotlight um, which is the Best Picture winner from this year's Oscars. Uh, it's about the Spotlight team from the Boston Globe investigating and really breaking the story on a decade's worth of cover-ups in the Catholic Church of uh, child abuse, um, specifically in Boston, which led to, my understanding, uh, best as memory serves, which led to a lot more cases kind of around the globe being brought to light. Um, and... I really liked it. Uh, it's it's a solid, solid movie. I think out of the stuff nominated for Best Picture this year, I have mm-hmm. there are three I still haven't seen, but out of the stuff I've seen, I think that's the one that deserved it the most. Yeah. Um, I wrote a review about it, and in the review I said that really what makes it work so well is it's a it's it doesn't it's not innovative. It's it's really simple. It's a bare bones building blocks movie like anyone could have made this movie mm-hmm. um but at the same time anyone couldn't have made this movie because there would have been urges to be really flashy with it and so what there's a lot of like really disciplined restraint shown in every aspect of the movie and i think that's what makes it work you know it's not uh you know this indictment of religion it's just child abuse is bad i think everyone can get on board with that message yeah. i hope I um so. You know, and, you know, there's power in journalism. I think everyone can get on board with that message as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, and journalism is a tool that can be used for good or for bad. And part of it is that, um, you know, the the Globe has actually been uh, told about these cases in the past, and they've covered it up, too. They've been complicit oh. in it until this happened. And... So you get a little bit of that in there too. So I think thematically, it's really, uh, it's really those two themes, and that's it. Like it's it's as simple and as stripped down as it could be. But as a result, it it's a two hour and ten minute movie. So it 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 explores every nook and cranny of those things, and so it's really powerful um, in in its messaging and. It's just, it's really solidly acted. It's got a great ensemble cast. Leah Schreiber, Michael Keaton, Mark Ruffalo, uh, Rachel McAdams, uh, a couple other people who, uh, uh, John Slattery, who I think is one of, will be remembered as one of the great American character actors. He plays Howard Stark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was on Mad Men. Uh, I, I, every time that guy pops up, I get happy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's a really, really good movie. Um, and I think it's... Uh, 
really well written in terms of expositional dialogue. Like, it's just two hours of people talking. Yeah. It's it's literally (laughs) just talking for two hours. And so it's really dense. There's a lot of information crammed into the dialogue, but it's good because it it keeps you wrapped in it, you know? It it makes you uh, pay attention and give a crap about what's going on. (laughs) Um, and I, I, it's just, it's a really, really solid movie. I mean, it is what it's about, and it's not the easiest movie in the world to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not salacious, and that's what I like about it, too. It doesn't feel like it's exploiting the victims in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. You know, the victims very much plainly speak about what have happened to them, and it does feel like those are quotes from real victims, but... At no point do they get into the nitty-gritty gross detail of it. Yeah. None of that's shown on screen. You know, it's all through it's all through the dialogue. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're a screenwriter or a director, this is, like, start here, man. Like, th- I, this is the most fundamental, basic filmmaking I think you can do. And done with such grace and elegance that um, there, like, there are no better examples for uh, uh, an upstart filmmaker to learn just the, I mean, the bare skeleton of what you need for a script and for directing and how you can make those things, just those, those things alone work to win Best Picture at the Oscars. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I really, really liked it. Hmm. Awesome. So, and Corey, I know you would like it because you like movies about journalism. Yes. Um, and Mike, I think you just appreciate good filmmaking. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> um, you sold me on it, so I'll go check it out. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth watching. Uh, you know, obviously, make sure you know what you're getting into. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you when you do watch it, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, if it's a sensitive subject for you, maybe I think you can, pass on. Maybe. Maybe. Um, it's not too, too, too insane. Yeah. Um, as far as that stuff goes, like I said, I think it's very respectful all the way around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and like I said, the messaging is, it, it, even if you're a person of faith, too, I think it's something you can watch and not feel, you know, slapped in the face. Yeah. yeah. Um, by, uh, particularly, I would say, if you're, you know, if you're Catholic, uh, you know, the movie isn't like, these are the horrors of organized religion and, like, mm-hmm. all the corruption that can happen in it. It's just like, some people abuse children and that's bad. Yeah. No matter who you are. Yeah. Like, just... Just don't do that if you're anyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that, like, I appreciated that a lot, too. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a solid movie. Well, that's good. I mean, I think that that's the important part is that sometimes you go and watch some of these movies and you're on board with the idea of, you know, these are bad things. <clears throat> but then you kind of get that sucker punch of, yeah. they this can't, <laughs> like, stop there. And they have to yeah. kind of dig in somewhere else where they didn't need yeah. to. And it's irrelevant to the actual problem that's being discussed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and a lot of it, too, is them going, like, do we really want to publish this story? Like, this is Boston, like, yeah. the most Catholic city in America, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah. I think. Um, you know, what What are they going to think? And, and Rachel McAdams has a good anchor into that in that her mom is or her grandma is really Catholic and she's, you know, she's constantly worried about, and a a lot of those people, uh, you know, identify themselves as atheists in the movie, but almost all the people grew up Catholic, you know, Mm -hmm. you grew up in the church, Um, you know, and likely around the time this was happening, you know, because it's it's a lot of cases from the 70s and 80s, Mm -hmm. and they likely knew some of the victims Mm -hmm. or lived down the street from them or went to school with them. 
And so it's one of those things where it's like, well, I want to do right by the people I know, but I also want to do right by my family who still adheres to this faith. And some of them haven't quite lost their faith yet. Like Rachel McAdams, again, she goes to church with her grandma, not consistently, but she does from time to time. So there's, like, it, it paints the internal struggle of faith in these people as well. Yeah. Like, they are all intimately connected with the Catholic Church. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think they didn't... Uh, None of them saw any of this happening while it was happening, so they didn't know. And so they grew up, you know, watching this be a force for good in people's lives, and now yeah. they're confronted with this new information. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that goes a long way to, like, not to make sure the movie doesn't get on that high horse is like mm-hmm. all the information that the characters receive for the first time, you also receive for the first time. So you're on a completely even playing field with everyone in the movie. Yeah. Um, and, and I like that. I don't know. It, it felt like I was in it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, it's it's definitely go check it out. All right. Cool. Yep. Um, yeah, so let's talk some news. Yeah. We were talking beforehand about what to talk about, and I touched on a nerve that I was excited to touch on. All uh, right. We got a new Zorro, and it's Gael Garcia Bernal, who is a famous Mexican actor. He is in Mozart in the Jungle. Um, I don't think he's playing a Mexican in that, but he's I think he's playing a Spanish guy in it. And he's also in... The only other thing I've seen him in, he's very popular in Mexico. He's been in a ton of Mexican films. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's pretty well, well... Like, he's super famous yeah. in Mexico. And uh, the only other thing I've seen him in is that Will Ferrell Spanish movie, Casa de Mi Padre. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. He is great in that movie. So I totally understand why he's super famous in Mexico. Yeah. Um, and so not only is Zorro getting rebooted and he's going to play him, it's going to be written and directed by Jonas uh, Cuaron, who is the son of Alfonso Cuaron, who mm-hmm. directed uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. Gravity and Children of Men. Um, Mm. Yeah, so what do you guys think about, like, you know, I know it's kind of reboot, you know, reboot on reboot on reboot. Yeah, give me all the reboots. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) but like, does Zorro make sense to reboot right now? Yes. (laughs) Is it it, it a property that, that, you know, we should be revisiting? I don't want to be the cynic. I don't want to play the cynic, but... um, I mean, like, I'm down with Zorro. He's cool. But I feel like there's this kind of this wave of, like, we're inundated with superhero movies. We're talking about a superhero movie right now. Zorro, however you kind of slice him, you could be like, he's kind of a superhero. He's kind of a vigilante. He kind of falls in the spectrum. Someplace superhero, you know, vigilante, whatever you want to call him. So I feel like it makes sense that they're like, you know who we should reboot? Zorro. But I mean, like, I'm I'm cool to see it. Like, I like the Zorro movies growing up, like watching them. So, what do you think, Mike? <laughs> I think he's a good alternative to all these superhero movies in a way. I'm yeah. sure that part of this is due in part to the fact that he is slightly a superhero. Yeah. But uh, you know, I feel like the ones in the '90s, anyway, were good swashbucklers, mm-hmm. and that's the kind of genre that we've lost um, the art to, and. Um, I would love for Hollywood to kind of find its way back to that genre. Yeah. So I'm down for it. 
Yeah, I agree. I loved Zorro as a kid. Um, they used to, super late at night, later than I should have been up, but super late <laughs> at night they used to air old episodes of the Zorro TV show, and I was super into those. I would stay up late with my dad, and, and we would watch them. I was Zorro multiple years in a row for Halloween yeah. as a kid. That Antonio Banderas movie is sweet. Yes. Yeah. Um, the Mask of Zorro, I loved that movie as a kid. Such a good movie. Uh, and uh, you guys have been touching on he's basically a superhero, Zoro was the inspiration for Batman. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Batman's probably my favorite superhero, so it makes sense that that, uh, that lineage would continue. But I think... Oh, also the movie's just going to be called Z. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> um, uh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. My, my, I, I don't want... The weather will change I, your mind. Yeah. Like, I don't want to put too much emphasis on something <laughs> so small a detail, but that already has me kind of thinking differently than I thought of a minute ago. Yeah. Um, I think that Zoro absolutely has a place in all this reboot craziness, if only because he is all the best parts of Batman and all the best parts of Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. And, like, watching that come together, I think, um, with uh, not just modern sensibilities, I, not that they should set it in modern day, I think, you know, the big thing is they have to set it in the time period Zora takes place in. Yeah. Um, but with Jonas Quaron on the movie, like, I can't think of a better teacher than freaking Alfonso Cuaron. Um, I, that guy, he, that guy can direct a movie, man. Uh, Corey, I know you have your hang-ups with Prisoner of Azkaban as yeah. a movie. Yeah. Um, but like... Best Harry Potter movie. Is pretty good. I disagree. <laughs> um, but, but Children of Men is like one of my top five favorite movies of all time. I've never seen that, so... Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Gravity for as much as it doesn't play on a small screen I'm trying to read your (laughs) gravity like on a purely technical level like floored me um i saw it in imax 3d it's the only time i've seen it i had a straight up panic attack during it because i felt like i was in space uh really yeah i freaked out in that movie man that movie that movie effed with my head it was yeah i was freaking out like i stood up and like i feel at the end of the movie i stood up and i felt heavier like i felt like i could feel gravity after that movie ended like it was gravity is the most immersive film going experience i've ever had wow Um, wow yep because i saw it on imax 3d yeah, <laughs> and like the 3D is super good in it. I'm not a huge 3D advocate, but when I'm told like, "Hey, you should really see this in 3D," I try to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and I already love IMAX as a format anyway. I think IMAX is the most immersive format. So, seeing it on IMAX and 3D with incredible 3D, like it really put me in the middle of that situation. And yeah, like that movie was super effective on me. I guarantee you, if I watched it on HBO now at home not the same effect at all like no i refuse to watch that movie on less than an imax 3d screen (laughs) it's like a one and done movie yeah you just can't watch it again after that first yeah but that first time is such a like such a good thrill ride Mm -hmm. that it didn't really matter to me yeah um you know i think there's a place for movies like that Mm -hmm. too and so and part of that is like that movie is so well made like it's so technically well made um, so, you know, having him learn from that and he helped, he helped on that movie. I think, you know, I think, I, I think that this could be sweet. 
I'm on board with it up until the moment I'm gonna see like the trailer, and then, <laughs> and then like I imagine it could go and be like the Tarzan reboot that they're making. Yes, where like that what? movie seems like is interesting. Up until like there's like this herd of wild animals or whatever that attacks that the CG nonsense that yes. happens. Once the CG nonsense is added to Zorro, I'm gonna tune out. What like, are they gonna CG in Zorro? Uh, what I, they he'll like lead like a herd of bison because he can go and command them, or it'll be something yeah. so stupid and you'll just be like, oh. Oh, Why can't yeah. we just get the awesome swashbuckling and like yeah. the train jumping stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If it can like just go and restrain itself, <laughs> yeah, it can be good. Yeah, I, I, I. Just with the little new snippets I have, I have faith in this movie. I think it could be cool, and I think Zoro is absolutely a property that we could be <clears throat> making. That's like. You know, new Indiana Jones or mm-hmm. you know Mexican James Bond or however you want yeah. to slice that <laughs> character. Um, I think there the, that he definitely has a place. Um, you know, I mean, they even went and did a uh, comic book sequel to Django Unchained, where like Django goes to Mexico after Django Unchained and hangs out with Zoro when they go on adventures and stuff. And oh, that wow. sounds dope. <laughs> that sounds so cool. Wow. And, like I kind I kind of want Quentin Tarantino to make that movie, just because <laughs> I would lose my mind at a Quentin Tarantino Zora movie. Diego Unchained. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. I th- I I think Zorro can be it. I think Zorro can work. In do you Do you think it's going to be like kind of a one and done thing, or do you think they're going to try the cinematic universe this type of thing, or we're gonna they're going get... to be like here's Zorro and Tarzan. Oh. <laughs> or do you think we're gonna at least get like you know this one and like maybe a sequel or like a new trilogy i feel like it's pl- probably planned as a franchise because literally mm-hmm. everything is now yeah um, effing sicario is getting a sequel what? um yeah. yeah and uh wow. so so i think i think it's probably likely they're setting it up for a franchise but it's a franchise i'm excited to see i think it's a franchise that is in a genre that isn't currently around. Yeah, we don't see that ever. Yeah, and so I think there's a spot for that to be made. Yeah. Um, I just hope people go see it, uh, if it's good. Zoro's sweet. Go watch it. Yep. You mean Z is sweet. Z. (sighs) The verdict's still out. (laughs) I mean, that could very well could change. Hopefully. Like, very rarely do I think think do movies really keep the titles... They're given when they start out in this this early on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about Civil War. And we're back. And the meat and potatoes of this episode is definitely Civil War. If you listen to last week's episode, you know that, uh, you know, I mean, you know what Civil War is. And you know what our <laughs> expectations are for for this movie. You, you know where we stand on it. So, um, what you know, we all three saw it. And uh, what did you guys think? Mike, we'll start with you. I actually seen it twice now. Wow! Yeah. Yeah! Mm-hmm. I was uh, trying to get there to see it twice. <laughs> Me too! I Me saw too. it on Thursday night and on Saturday night. Nice. And um, Thursday night, I thought it was a good movie. Um, I enjoyed it. However, there's so much in that movie yeah. that I kind of needed to see it a second time, I felt yeah. like, to really evaluate it and determine whether or not how like I really liked it. Um, and also to rank it appropriately because... Mm-hmm. The first time I saw it, I felt like Winter Soldier was 
a superior movie. Um, now I feel like they're more even, but it depends on what mm-hmm. your taste is and like mm-hmm. what you're in the mood for. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting to the actual substance of the movie itself, um, I think it was a really entertaining flick. Um, I honestly liked a lot of the action that happened in it. Yeah. I thought it touched on some good themes. Uh, there were good character arcs for a lot of characters, actually. People got really good moments, even in limited amounts of screen time. Uh, it, the first 40 or so minutes outside of the opening um, was a little clunky or a little clunky for me. I felt like they were trying to set up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie almost kind of crumbled on itself during that time up until like when the second action sequence started because you're just kind of marking time until like something went down. Yeah. Uh, but then from like the moment that Cap goes and meets up with Bucky onward, I feel like the movie kind of starts building steam again and uh, really delivers in what I think is the best third act of any Marvel movie in terms of the the intimacy of it, the personal mm-hmm. stakes that are going on. Mm-hmm. They avoided that cliche that I was complaining about last episode mm-hmm. where the entire world is, you know, under threat or whatever, and it was really about three people or yeah. maybe four or five, you know, depending on how you think, um, hashing out their problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was it. Like, there was nothing else really at stake in that particular moment. Yeah. And um, I think that that made for a stronger finish than they've ever managed to go and concoct because... You cared about those characters, and you cared about those smaller stakes because they actually mattered to those people, and yeah. not some generic end of the world threat. That you know that's not actually going to be delivered on. Yeah. Um, so from that standpoint, I think the movie was a success. But we can talk more about the specifics afterwards. Mm-hmm. Man, I I quite enjoyed this movie. <laughs> I wanted to go um, back to see it again, but man mike you talked you touched on a lot of good stuff the action i think was incredible mm-hmm. in this movie was it three or four action sequences in this film oh, gosh. Like four. yeah, yeah. Like four or five. it might be five honestly yeah. they, they were all they were all really good yeah and diverse yeah actually. like you know you kind of had the you had the opening one which mm-hmm. was kind of like that kind of chase and then like kind of terrorist you know yeah. like breaking that up but then you had like a car chase one too but then you had the one when like bucky broke out yeah like, when he's like activated again yeah oh yeah. man um yeah and then you have that obviously the airport, airport fight scene, yeah so i mean it, and then the final yeah yeah five. yeah five there was so there was great action like you said i felt like this movie like it had more stakes for the characters the characters had really good arcs mm-hmm. and I, I love what you said about the ending because it didn't feel like that generic, like, hey, I'm going to drop the city and blow up the planet or, hey, <laughs> like, aliens are going to attack. And, you know, those things are fine. They have their place. Yeah. But, like, this just felt, like, more intimate. And it's like you said, it's like these characters that we spent so much time with and the film develops that even more. Like, we get the reasons behind why they think stuff. You know, all the marketing was just like, we're Team Cap or we're Team Iron Man. Mm. But, like, when you get in the film, there's a lot of, like the themes that they bring up where it's like I could see both sides I mean like I I went into the film kind of with like a disposition more towards like Captain America but like I got where Iron Man was coming from and I got like the rationale like everyone who ends up like on either side you know at first you can just be like oh they just need an even number of people on each of the teams but for the most part they make sense yeah um you know there's maybe a couple exceptions like maybe like Ant-Man maybe definitely Ant-Man Maybe Spider-Man, but, you know, I kind of I kind of thought about some of that stuff, and I was like, okay, maybe not, like, the strongest reason, but, you know, it's like, 
Ant-Man wouldn't side with, like, Tony Stark. Hank Pym is his, you know, mentor. So he's super against Stark. Mm -hmm. So, but, yeah, I mean, like, his his reason to kind of show up is just, like, not not really that strong. But, I mean, like, that's just, like, a minor thing. And Spider-Man, you know... I heard some different things, but we can talk more about Spider-Man later. But yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. I wanted to go see it again because kind of like you were saying, like, I feel like the initial viewing, there was so much stuff. It was hard to really kind of like place. It definitely was a top five, but it's just kind of like in comparison to Winter Soldier. And I think that's what a lot of people were thinking, like, Mm -hmm. how does this stack up? And I kind of was like, it might come down to like preference of like, because they're, they're similar, but they're very different too. Yeah. So that's kind of my initial take. MJ. Black Panther. (laughs) Enough said. Yeah, that's all I got. Um, (laughs) He was sweet. Man. Uh, Okay, so before this becomes Black Panther cast. uh, Spider-Man cast, man. I'm going to take it. (laughs) Civil War before and after show. Uh, No, he was, for me, that that was the best part of the entire movie. Like, Honestly, for me, this was a Black Panther movie. Um, but, I, you know, I really liked it. Um, I think that I do like Winter Soldier maybe a little bit more. There's a couple things in this movie that are just a little too dumb. Yeah. Um, just a little too dumb. I do think they're pretty even, though. Like, mm-hmm. I, I do think it comes down to personal preference. Mm-hmm. Um the Russos can direct the hell out of a movie. Yeah, they yes. can. Gosh, it's man, it's insane. Um, you know, just juggling all of that and still finding time for five action sequences in a movie that's still less than two and a half hours, right? Mm, yeah, something like that. I yeah, think it's two twenty right. something. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's still on the two twenty mark. And making that go by that fast, yeah. like that, that's insane to me. You know, we, yeah. we talked about we just got done talking about Age of Ultron, and I just watched it this week and. That movie's around the same time. It's only like six or seven minutes shorter. And that movie feels like it's forever. Yeah, it overstays its welcome. Yeah, and like Civil War, I was like, I feel like it was, one, the perfect length. And two, yeah. um, went by super fast to the point where I was like, yeah, I could, I could watch this again. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, it, it doesn't feel like that big of a time commitment, yeah. even though it is. Yeah. Um, you know, the the... There's a lot of good visual storytelling in this movie. A lot mm-hmm. of good visual storytelling. Yeah. Um, just in the in the framing of the characters and the way that they've blocked out the scenes to where the characters are um, in relation to how the dialogue is going yeah. down. Yes. It's really, really, really uh, intentional. Yes. Um, really purposeful. Um, I think a lot of the, the camera work, even down to the action sequences, is really purposeful. You know, when we start out, it's got this sort of green Grassian uh, shaky cam style, yeah. which really fits those sequences. Yeah. Um, and then by the end, you know, we saw it on IMAX, and it's got this, like, full screen. Uh, the airport sequence is in full IMAX the entire time. Oh, that's wow. awesome. And, you know, it's this really, like, sort of grand sweeping action sequence, um, you know, with a super uh, kinetic camera, but like all on a crane. So you can, so it's steady. So you see everything, you know, there's, you know, the the movie evolves from these sort of on the ground, small beginnings to this sort of blown out thing. Mm -hmm. And then comes back to uh, this Mm -hmm. on the ground thing, but keeps the elegance of the airport fight in the, in the last fight. Yeah. And you know, it, it, so they've started from one place, gone to this other place and then married them by the end, just in the action sequences. Yeah. If you watch just the action sequences in this movie, it's a full arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's so crazy to me. Um, yeah, I think this is 
perfect blockbuster filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you see that in the way that the movie goes and balances action and drama with humor. Like, yeah. I can't think of a movie that really balances that quite as well in recent memory mm-hmm. where people are like gut busting, like laughing at everything. <laughs> you know, the airport scene especially. The airport uh, scene is the funniest fight I think I've ever seen. Yeah, I, exactly. Uh. And then, but by the end of the film, like the things get so personal. And, yeah, and it's like you're like, oh, crap. Like yeah. that last like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just hits you like a truck. And I love that. I love that. I mean, we've talked about this before, but I love the idea of a movie can have like such varied tones mm-hmm. and and not break any of that. And yeah. it all fits. And the fact that like you care about these characters, you can laugh with them because they really didn't want to kill each other during the airport yeah, no. fight. You know, yeah. they, they're trying yeah. to work this out, but they're a family and they fight each other. Yeah. And they have differences of opinion. Um, but then by the end of the film, you know, they're actually it's one of them that's actually trying to kill yeah. the other yeah. people. Um, and I don't think that if you didn't have that kind of elasticity with the tone, I'm not sure the ending would work as well if you hadn't like opened yourself up to be vulnerable yeah. by laughing at mm-hmm. it initially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I just really can't speak more highly of that because it's so hard to go and pull that off. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. I think also, which we talked about last week, they've just cast really likable people across the board. Yeah. Like, everyone <laughs> still is likable. The two new characters are super mm-hmm. likable. Yep. Um, Every everyone is likable in this movie, so you get everyone. You know, yeah, you're yeah. not like, well, f that guy in particular. You know, <laughs> yeah. you're just like, uh, we haven't even talked about him yet. Uh, Marvel has a second interesting villain. Yeah, yeah there's a yeah. second interesting villain in the Marvel yeah. universe. Yeah. I didn't think we were gonna get one. Oh my gosh! And Daniel Bruhl is such a good actor. Yeah, he, he might be the best performance in the whole movie. I think. Uh, yeah, he's up there. He's no, he's not the showiest. Right. Yeah, but, but his villain doesn't need to be showy. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And it was so weird when I went and saw reviews for this movie, and some people were kind of poo-pooing this villain. I was completely baffled by that. Yeah, I loved everything about that character. His whole arc is complete and good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like thematically gels with everything else that's going on. It serves as a good foil to everything else that's going on but also a good parallel to everything else yeah. that's going on one of the best Marvel villains like besides Loki but and I think he might be more interesting than Loki to me in some ways um, you know I think that one thing that really makes him work is the fact that they avoided making him over the top yeah by making mm-hmm. him over or understated um, he doesn't go and overwhelm the personal conflict that these characters are already having he goes and mm-hmm. supplements it. Mm-hmm. He's not yeah. like Lex Luthor. And I haven't seen Batman v Superman, but I know enough about it. Yeah, that, like, yeah. He was so showy yeah. that like he he goes and like interferes with a movie that did, doesn't even need him. Yeah. And in this way, like I think Brule goes and supplements it. it yeah. It's a really interesting choice to go and take with that character when there's mm-hmm. already so much going on. Like I was really dreading that part toward the end of the movie where. You know, it was going to be revealed he's the bad guy, and everyone's going to team up to go and fight him, and they obviously understand the necessity of fighting him. Yeah. And they put aside their differences, and now is the end of it. But instead, he goes and plays them against each other, and, you know, obviously it, the, it works because the writers made it work, but you believe it. Yeah. Because that's the way the villain is effective. But also, it does this great misdirection where you're like, oh, they're going to go fight five, five winter, winter soldiers. soldiers. And then they show up yeah. and they're like, the, they're all dead. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it just completely is like, we know what you've come to expect from a Marvel movie, mm-hmm. and we're going to totally subvert that yeah. in this super personal, super yeah. intimate direction. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. It's yeah. a really, really smart move on their part. Yeah. yeah. A lot of <laughs> the movie is just so smart in the sense that I feel like they, they have a perfect sense of what the audience is going to expect 
and went to dole out information to them. Yeah. Because there's several times in the movie as well with, you know, the reveals that, um, you know, Bucky went and killed Tony's parents. Like, they kind of dole out information throughout the course of the movie that kind of lets you put it together maybe beforehand. Yeah, but... Um, But it's it's well-timed. Yeah. And then also, it's well-timed in the sense that they go and dole out um, information about the conflict that these characters are having in terms of their ideals, like... You kind of shift a little bit more to Tony's argument. Yeah. And then you shift a little bit more to Steve's no argument. No one is, like, completely in the right, you know? Yeah. You see, mm-hmm. you see, like, at the beginning, things like, okay, like, they saved, like, that biological weapon from, like, falling into someone's hands. But then you also see the other side of, like, all these people died. And you, like, see the guilt that, like, Scarlet Witch feels for that. You know, it's not ever, like... I'm always Captain America, or I'm always with Tony. Mm-hmm. And I think I think the movie did a great job of balancing that. Yeah, you know, I would argue that maybe toward the end of the movie, I think it kind of rests on Cap's side a little bit. Like once the raft is revealed in the prison and all that stuff, yeah. you're kind of like, okay, he's probably right. And, and, and I always kind of felt personally he was right throughout. Yeah, it, and, his yeah. personal and, bias. Well, I mean, but, it's still called Captain yeah, right. yeah. War. Like, <laughs> but you don't ever feel like. Um, Tony is being wrong for, like, what he's doing up until he gets, like, maybe too emotional at the very end. Yeah, and, I mean, he kind of, like, swallows his pride a little bit and realizes, like, this is what I thought was right, but, like, the powers that be have kind of changed what I thought this was going to be. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, um, okay, so let's get into more... Specific stuff and spoilers. Uh, it, it's we been already, pretty light spoilery so far, with the exception of Bucky's parents. But yeah. uh, if you're kind of new to the show, uh, we do do uh, yeah. uh, we do full spoilers <laughs> at the. Um, I'm a child. You're in it now. <laughs> um, uh, we do full spoilers on the after shows, so uh, that's the thing. Um, yeah. So uh, for me, I guess I'll start. This was Black Panther's movie through and through for me. Um, for as far as like, I loved his arc. Um, I understood where he was coming from. You know, he's this wild card that uh, is only Team Iron Man because of opportunity, mm-hmm. and I liked that. Yeah. You know, I liked that a lot of the like the the kind of newcomers to it were. All borderline opportunists. Like, yeah. even Spider-Man yeah. a little bit was like, well, I just have this opportunity to show off for Tony Stark and the Avengers. Like, yeah. that's the only reason I'm here. Exactly. And, like, Ant-Man was just like, I just love these people. It's like, like Captain yeah. America. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I like that, you know, they, they had, even though they didn't have the stakes that the Avengers have in this, they still had stakes that made sense as to why they would show yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Chadwick Boseman, holy cow. Dang. Uh, he's he's such a good actor. Yeah. Um, and just so cool. Yeah. He's such a cool character. Mm-hmm. And yeah. gosh. And the, the, I, okay, so I'm a sucker for, um, for people seeking vengeance and then realizing it's not the right way to go. Yeah. That theme, like, if you want to get at me with a movie and make me forgive a lot of dumb stuff, there's not a lot of dumb stuff in Civil War, but if you want to make me forgive a lesser movie for a lot of crimes, make that your central theme and make that theme work, yeah. and I will be into that movie. And that's his whole arc. Uh, I think that's why uh, Baron Zemo works a lot for me mm-hmm. in this movie, too, is that's his arc. Yeah. And he gets this, like, tender moment with Black Panther at the end mm-hmm. where he basically, you know, he sums up the whole arc of both of them where he's just like, this whole time I've been chasing vengeance, and now I see that that 
only leads to this, which is him trying to kill himself. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm so excited for Black Panther solo movie. Um, yeah. You know, we talked about it last week. Ryan Coogler is like, <laughs> he's one of my favorite directors right now. After two movies that I've only seen one of, I think he's one of the best directors working in Hollywood right now. And I think watching his visual sensibilities and the way he is able to convey uh, themes through just his visual storytelling and the way Bozeman is able to be super vulnerable and um, convey emotion in his face and his body language and marrying those two together, I'd like... it's going to be my favorite Marvel movie. I can already tell. It's it, Not only do I think it's going to be my favorite Marvel movie, I think it's going to be the best Marvel movie. Um, I will stick by that until credits roll on the Black Panther solo movie. I think Black Panther solo movie is going to be the best Marvel movie. Um, and so that like that addition for me was great. Uh, Corey, I'll let you talk about Spider-Man more in depth, but I loved him. I thought he was a perfect Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, I think they nailed exactly how comic book Spider-Man should yep. be done. Uh, Aunt May getting younger and younger is still weird to me, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll... Down. <laughs> <laughs> She's the best actress in more ways than one to portray hey, Aunt May. They acknowledge it. So. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, yeah, so that Black Panther for me was like the standout moment of the movie. Um, and the action sequences. and He was amazing. Yeah. Uh, uh, Corey, what, what are some specifics that you really... Man, the... There is so many. I love Black Panther. He was awesome. I loved how we kind of saw, like, how you can do an origin story and not have to, like, spend, mm-hmm. like, two and a half hours. Like, mm. <clears throat> man. So refreshing. It's like, mm-hmm. good job, Russos. Good job. I'm, Ugh. you know, it's like we got two origin stories for two new characters, and now we can just go straight into their movies. Mm. I am all on board for that. So kudos to them. Um, Like... Like I mentioned, Black Panther is awesome. I love the action. I guess I'll talk about Spider-Man. Um, he was sweet. I was so excited when he showed up. And, man. I mean, I, I, and I love Tobey Maguire. And I like Andrew Garfield, too. Um, you know, I have some problems with some of those films. I really love Spider-Man, too. But I, this Spider-Man is so like the essence of everything I think Spider-Man is Mm -hmm. like from you know me growing up and reading a lot of the comic books and watching like you know the animated like tv show of Spider-Man this feels like Spider-Man and I love at first I was kind of like nervous I was like okay they're gonna make him a high schooler like you know I like Spider-Man but I tend to like more like grown-up Spider-Man like college Spider-Man but the way that they chose to, like, introduce him and, like, have him be a high schooler, I think it fit, like, really well, like, kind of into this movie. He's kind of like, like you said, this is, like, an opportunity for him. He's kind of like an opportunist and, like, oh, like, I want to go impress Tony Stark and we get a new, like, suit and stuff. But he's very much kind of, like, where all these people are, like, bogged down in the seriousness of kind of, like, all these things and they have repercussions and, and that's important. He, Spider-Man kind of, like, injects this, like, kind of lighthearted, like, hey, we're all, like, superheroes in costumes doing all this stuff. And it's, he's, like, fighting the people, but, like, half the time he's just, like, in wonder of, like, oh, I'm fighting Captain America. And he's having, like, fun banter with, like, Captain America as they're fighting and, like, him and Falcon and Bucky. Like, he's just, like, so amazed. And I was like, this feels like Spider-Man. He just feels like he's quipping all the time. But even, like, the scene that establishes Peter Parker 
it did such a good job. Like, when Tony and him go into the room and he's just like, okay, kid, like, let's cut to the chase. I know who you are and all this. He's like, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and even, like, how they were able to convey, like, you know, with great power comes great responsibility in between the lines, mm-hmm. like, without anyone saying this, you know, Tony's like, why are you doing this? And, you know, Peter kind of like, oh, you yeah. know, I'm looking for the little guy and looking out for the little guy. And, you know, like, when you have the ability to do something and... You know, it's like, I didn't, and bad things happen. You know, you read between the lines, and Tom Holland does such a good job of, like, he doesn't have to say, like, oh, yeah, my uncle told me this, and this is, like, my whole motivation. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like he's only had his powers for, like, six months. So this is very fresh in his mind. And just, like, the look of, like, how he interacts with Tony, it's just like, that's it. That's it. That's awesome. Even though he's lighthearted and, you know, he's really smart and all this stuff, it's like, his motivation for being Spider-Man is there. So I just thought it was done perfectly. How he moved in the action sequences was awesome. And he didn't overstay his welcome. It was just kind of like, he's there, he's funny, he brings comic relief, he's developed, and he's ready to go like for his movie. It's just kind of like, okay, kid, you're done, and now it's back to Iron Man, Captain America. So, man. And one other thing I'll touch on is... A lot of those scenes like that that are very kind of exposition heavy, like the Spider-Man scene or the scene with Tony giving the speech at uh, at the college, they're expositional scenes that accomplish like four, five, six different exposition goals. Yes, yes, There's an economy to the exposition in this movie that's incredible. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's so well done. It's like everything has like so much meaning. Like that scene where it's like, okay, that's cool. Like he's doing the thing and he's kind of being like a philanthropist. But then you see how all that stuff, like his repressed emotions, how that wraps around at the end of the film. And it's just like, all right, you guys are awesome. You guys are, oh, man. That scene where he's like imagining what he would say to his parents or how his last day with them yeah it was a little too much for me personally Mm -hmm. like i think he was trying to accomplish a little too much and it was a little weird and off-putting initially yeah um but i bought into it and i was cool with it yeah but in general i agree with you that like the fact that they tried to accomplish so many things in one scene sometimes worked out really well and managed to go and make a movie that's doing a lot go by pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciate that as well. Yeah. What are some other specifics, Mike, that you mm-hmm. you liked? Well, you know, I was talking about last week, one of the things I was looking forward to was just the continuation of the Winter Soldier storyline mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. Captain and Bucky. And I think that this movie did a pretty good job of, yeah. you know, despite having a lot of other things going on, it's still maintaining it's, yeah, that thorough line. Um, all the way through up until the very end. It was still Captain America's movie. Yeah. Now, I've seen some people go and say that Captain America doesn't really have an arc in it. And I think that's a little bit true in some ways. Um, it's kind of like The Dark Knight where Batman, I kind of think, doesn't really have an arc either for a lot of that mm-hmm. movie. He's he's very much, I think, like the straight man who the world is reacting to and, you know, Joker's trying to react yeah. against. And it's almost how I feel about how Captain America is acting in this movie. He's like, he has his moral core and he's not going to abandon it while the rest of the world is kind of trying to adjust. And he's making yeah. like, leaving a wake <laughs> almost behind him. Yeah. Um, well, he has that line, too, where he's like, right. if I see a situation going south, mm-hmm. you know, I have to I, try to stop it. Right. Sometimes I wish I couldn't. And Tony's just like, no, you don't. And he's like, yeah, you're right. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. It's like that's reinforced at the funeral of Peggy Right, Carter. yeah, plant yeah. yourself like a tree, yep. you know, and yeah. so tell other people to move. Yeah. And, you know, some people I've read online go and interpret that as he's kind of being a jerk. But, you know, he's staying true to who he is yeah. while the rest of the world is trying to force him to be something he isn't. Yeah. And he's seen how the rest of the world, like, treats other people. And so, of course, he's going to stay himself yeah. versus that. I think that he makes 
perfect sense as a character. Yeah. Well, and he's also got like this weird perspective too. Yeah. Where like you know I was headed down to 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 go see the movie. Um, I was like, uh, yeah, I, I don't really understand why Cap is so anti this, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, my wife, because she's smarter than I am, is no. like, she was like, uh, yeah, the last time they rounded up people and made them register for stuff, it was the Holocaust. And I was like, oh, yeah. And you're like, oh. <laughs> well, and additionally, you know, just the previous movie, he wouldn't go and sign up to go and be, like, just some person, yes man to the government after what he saw what happened to S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. as well, you yeah. know? Like, the interesting thing about this movie is that Tony and Cap they're in completely different positions than they were at the start of this series. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, I thought initially, well, that's kind of weird. Like, wouldn't Tony be like, like the guy who's fighting the government? He always seems to be like the rebel. Yeah. But actually, after Ultron, yeah. which like, you know, I think is a flawed movie in a lot yeah. of ways, but at the very least, I can see why maybe he feels like he has to go and account for his sins almost. Yeah. And Cap, based off the Winter Soldier, I think has a reasonable reason why he doesn't go and join with the government himself. So I think that they go and take in all of this continuity and make sense of it. Yeah. yeah. And even when I don't think it was necessarily planned, like, you know, that they yeah. were going to do Civil War, like, as their 13th movie. Yeah. But they made it work in a way that seemed sensible. Yeah. Um, and logical. So, I mean, that that stuff I really liked. Yeah. Um, you know, just additionally, I've already talked about the third act. I just love the way Russo's going film action um, mm-hmm. in general. <laughs> like, sometimes I think there was a little couple quick uh, cuts and shaky cam to go and cover things up that I wasn't super fond of, but then other times, you know, they made, like, the airport sequence really fun. Like, yeah. it's, like, honestly some of the most fun you've seen <laughs> on, a tele- or on a movie screen in a long time. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, in addition to their efficiency at storytelling... They just knew when to go and put the right character beats in particular moments, when to reintroduce or add new characters, and then go and, like, get rid of them out of the narrative um, and step out of the way. Yeah. Like, Paul Rudd came in the movie at the right time. He leaves the movie at the right time, for example. Or it's like they'd have the right characters interact with, like, the character that makes sense. So, like, you're like, okay, so... You know, you have Scarlet Witch and Vision there. It's like, who's the character that's, like, most connected to her? It makes sense that Hawkeye shows up because he gave her the talk in Age of Ultron, and he's kind of, like, the father figure to her of, like, I've set you on this course, and I don't want you to give up. It, like, it makes sense. Like, but in characters, when, like, those scenes happen, they don't overstay their welcome. But it makes sense. Like, yeah, you would be, like, the person to, like, be that connection point to them. Yeah. P.S. How great is Hawkeye in this movie? Pretty good. He was sweet. Yeah, he was, I, I. That's the the most I've liked Jeremy Renner in these movies. I know. Ever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, he was kind of not that good, and then all of a sudden he was like, "I'm gonna be dope in this movie." Like what? Man. I I really like his character in this movie. Um, some stuff I didn't like. Uh, the, probably the two biggest things that uh, this might seem nitpicky, and I'm sorry, but the two biggest things that make me not like it as much as Winter mm-hmm. Soldier are one. The scene where the mom of the kid who died in Sokovia comes to Tony is Mm -hmm. really weird. Yeah. It's really strange. It It plays like, I don't know. Yeah, you kind of see what they're going for with it, but it's it's very off. It took me, there was this weird inversal of like the reveal of information because I was like, what? Like, he's killed plenty of other people like this and now all of a sudden one person can do this. But then when he explains to them like, when he's got uh, he's got all of them around, he's introducing the Sokovia Accords to them. 
and he's getting the coffee and he projects the hologram of him and yeah. he's explaining who that kid yeah. was and he's like this kid is the exact opposite of everything i was at this age i was like there we go like now i understand why that kid in particular mm-hmm. is the one that set tony off because the, his entire arc for the last eight years and yeah. 13 movies um has been trying to make up for who he was before iron yeah, Man. And he yeah. still carries a lot of baggage from that mm-hmm. so that made sense after the fact but that scene in particular was is bad it's one of the worst written scenes in the whole movie um and then the other thing is i really think this movie needed to be three minutes longer and have ant-man's like scene in it where they go and get him Mm. because his stakes feel really weird in this yeah um you know i understand that like he he is kind of the character that you can do the most like that you could probably delete that scene the most from and have him show up and just be like, I'm just here to hang out with the Avengers. Like, yeah. He's that goofy kind of guy. But also, I really want to know what, what like... Incentivize. Yeah, yeah, what incentivize them or if they just literally, like, knock him out and kidnap him. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. any of that, I would have... And I, yeah. the, the other thing is, everyone else got that scene. Like, they yeah. found a way to get that scene in for everyone except him. So he's, like... Part of it is, like, a completionist thing where, like, yeah. everyone else has a reason to be there and Ant-Man's just like, um... Like Captain me- America. Yeah. I um, feel like there's two responses to that. And I think it's mostly because it couldn't really find a way to, like, justify how he would get on board with this. So they just said, screw it, and they just kind of skipped over it. Yeah. And the other thing was, I feel like at that point in the movie... It was almost at risk of toppling over with too many of these. Okay, we're yeah. bringing everybody yeah, on board. Yeah, getting the team you know? together. Yeah, and like if they had one without more doing scene. like some weird meta thing, like what yeah. the Muppets did. Yeah, when like Rolf is like, "Hey, what happened?" Because in my brain, that's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys remember the, yes. the new Muppets yeah. movie when Rolf yeah. is like, "Why didn't my scene get included in the movie?" <laughs> I thought it was pretty compelling, and the scene is it flashes back to the scene. And it's literally Kermit going up to Rolf and going. Uh, we're getting everyone back together. You want to come? And Rolf's like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how Ant-Man, yeah. like, even if it yeah. was that, even if it was Clint going up to Ant-Man and be, him being like, you're Hawkeye. And he's like, yep, we need your help. And him being like, all right. <laughs> I could, like, that makes perfect sense for Scott Lang to do that yeah. to me. If it, if it had been that, then I would have been cool with it. Yeah. But if it had been some, like, another two or three minute drawn out kind of sequence, I know that doesn't sound like too drawn out, but yeah. after having, like, several of those in a row, mm-hmm. you kind of need to get the story going. Yeah. You know? So, and I think they also just wanted to save, like, the gag for when they open up the van. Yeah, yeah. you know, and I mean, like, I guess Tony kind of sets the precedent, like, the scene with Black Widow before they start gathering people. of Like, hey, we're, like, kind of short on people. We need to, like find some new recruits or whatever. And so it's kind of like, you know, you see him go Spider-Man. So it's like, okay, it makes sense. I guess they went to go get Ant-Man, like, on the other side. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I agree with you. It's kind of you have to, like, make a reason. It's like, did Hank Pym tell you, like, hey... like If you go, have a chance to get back at Stark, go, yeah, go yeah. do it. I mean, like, even that would just be enough, you know, so... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, were there, was there anything you guys disliked besides those two things? Um... I, not really. I mean, I love Spider-Man. I think kind of like initially I was kind of thinking, it's like, did he really need to be in this movie? And I've read some reviews that are kind of like really like rip it apart for him being in there. But I think I kind of, after watching it and like thinking about it, I think I kind of hold more to like what I talked about earlier. I feel like he's that different window that kind of brings this different light into like, he's not jaded. He's not hardened. He's like this different, like kind of, 
youthful energy into this situation and it's like yeah it's not like his place to be like the center of this movie but he's just kind of like that different perspective a little bit so i mean but kind of besides that i mean i feel like the pacing was pretty tight on this movie like most most of the things in there like they needed to be in there i didn't feel like i didn't feel like it was overly long and like i was kind of as i was watching it like I don't know, like, kind of comparing it to Ultron in some aspects. And, like, Ultron has a lot of stuff that doesn't need to be in there. Mm-hmm. And this movie felt like every scene, it's like, purposeful. was purposeful. Even if it's, like, not done the best. Because, yeah, the, yeah. The, the the scene with the woman and Tony, it's, like, I get what it accomplishes. But it's just, it's it's framed weird in the dialogue and, like, how she reveals things, you know. And it's kind of like, okay, this is weird. And then, yeah, the payoff comes later. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I could nitpick some things, but... Honestly, I really enjoyed it. I thought the first act was a little weak, personally. Once they dealt with a biological situation, and then you had the introduction with the flashback, but not really a flashback Tony thing. And yeah. then you had the weird dialogue with the lady, and then you had the Sokovia stuff, and then they were like at the UN, and then like, yeah. and they were like, boom, like Germany or Berlin, and then boom, yeah. this place, and then boom, that place. And it was like, okay, like there's a lot that's being set up at once, and it all pays off later, and I think it's forgivable after you've seen the movie. But I was kind of getting a little impatient when I saw it the first time. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Because yeah, it was just like, okay, Okay, like we're going to this place. Like, okay, like this... I'm getting dragged around all over the place yeah. almost. Uh, I thought I was being jerked around. Well, especially because those like those titles are real in your face. Yeah, yeah. boom. And I, yeah, and like when it first started, and it had the 1991. <laughs> I was like, that's cool. And then it just like kept happening. And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> like I'm, it's yeah. starting to make me sick of seeing uh, those. Yeah, it's a little nitpicky, but like yeah, yeah it's, like it's stylistically, you know, I don't know about that one. Not like a huge issue. Yeah. And by the end of the movie, like I said, and the second time I watched it, also I was okay with that first. Yeah, act yeah, more. yeah. Um, additionally, uh, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, really, there's not much else wrong. I I have some slight issues with the way the airport scene goes in some ways. I mean, no doubt it's really funny. But then, and no doubt, like, Ant-Man, I think, provides, like, the best source of humor throughout the entire thing. Yeah. And, like, I wouldn't want to get rid of it. But I kind of had a weird, like, suspension of disbelief kind of thing going on with him growing giant and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it was almost a little too goofy for me. I know it's weird to go and yeah. draw the line there in particular. Like, I mean, it happens in the movie. comics. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So. I know, yeah. But I don't I don't really like that kind of logic to justify things sometimes. <laughs> but, like, because there's, there's a lot of dumb things that happen too as a result of because it happened in the comics not that you were saying yeah. that yeah, but yeah. Um, so there was a part of that where I was like mm-hmm. this is like like this is really happening yeah. but um, it was still funny enough that I kind of forgave it and it was entertaining so I kind of let it go um, you know and I have to say that this movie juggled a lot and while um, I prefer maybe I think the more cl- the clearer focus of Winter Soldier, the Russos did the best job they could. Oh yeah, yeah. While juggling this, so well, and the screenwriters yeah. like because yeah. they didn't write it. Yes, uh, that's right. Yeah, it's it was them. another writing. Yeah, Marcus dude. and McFeely. Yeah, and man, they wrote the crap out of this movie. I think yeah. they landed on their feet. There was a yeah. lot of stuff going on, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and it could have gone all wrong. Yes, yeah. it could have. It could have been Ultron. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to go and talk about the the ending in particular because of the film crit Hulk stuff? Or yeah, yeah I was gonna I was gonna ask you about that kind of just like the state of how this film 
ends and what the setup is for the MCU. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to end on where do we go from here. Um, we have seven minutes to do it. Um, where do we go from here? Spider-Man solo movie. Black <laughs> yeah. Panther solo movie. I'm so excited. Um, Secret Avengers, that's what's happening. So, uh, film crit Hulk, who I usually love, uh, but the last couple times I've talked about him on the show, he's had very strange arguments to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, that three-act structure thing is weird. I know you've read that that mm-hmm. piece because it's in his book. Uh, I don't know how you fell on that. Mm. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. About the same as we did. Yeah. Um, really strange argument. Uh, Film Crit Hulk tweeted, uh, after he saw the movie, he tweeted, let's be honest, are these Marvel things even movies anymore? Hulk's not going to go nuts over semi-functional scenes to non-real change. Um, and he followed that up with... Uh, it's not good enough, but we accept it because they've seemingly perfected character exhibitions. And maybe that's fine. Hulk doesn't know. It's like, yeah, baby, Spider-Man is pure joy, but what is this all really about beyond placation? Um, then someone tweeted at him, you're just salty because you're not in it. <laughs> and he tweeted back at them, Thor and Hulk doing our own thing. We fine. <laughs> uh, and then he said, the movie ends with we're all fine. Pick up the phone and call us and it's all good. A.K.A. It's fine. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Yeah, I, I feel mm. like there is. I feel like he misread this movie on a few major fronts, I, and that's weird to me. Yeah. I feel like there's clear definition after you know after Tony and you know like uh, Steve have this fight where it's like they literally almost kill each other. There's yeah. clear definition. I mean, I feel like Steve is kind of extending a hand of like. Let's just be like you know, like amiable towards each other, and mm-hmm. like you can call on me, but well, there's definition. Also, like we're not together. Yeah, and also like Steve's been around. Like he's been around since World War Two. He saw Red Skull. He knows mm-hmm. what Hydra is. He knows what happened with Shield. He knows what happened with the you know the um, uh, uh, Ultron the, with Ultron. He knows what happened with uh, Loki and the oh, the, yeah. the scree the scroll yeah, the, yeah whatever. whatever they are yeah the little space guys like he knows there are bigger things than this out there mm-hmm. and so does Tony like that's been Tony's entire arc yeah. since the first Avengers movie is like I've seen what's out there like I carried a nuke through that portal mm-hmm. and like saw that we are yeah. not alone yeah and that's a bad thing yeah and so they both know what's coming. Mm. Uh, they don't know what's coming, but they know something's yeah. going to happen. Like something's bound to give, knowing what they know. Mm-hmm. And so, as a result, like Steve and Tony both recognize, like, hey, there's going to be something bigger than this that comes along, and we are going to need to put aside these differences yeah. and go after them. But this isn't fine. Still, like, yeah, this ended weird. You know, this is weird for me. Yeah, um, you know, I, I, I kind of. As a weird example, the only thing I can pull it out of is, like, it's almost like if you're in a group of friends and two of those friends dated and they broke up and you know it's weird, but then someone else in that friend group gets married. So you know you have to deal with them at the at the wedding. Yeah. You know you have to, or, or you know, God forbid one of them dies and you have to deal with them at the funeral. Yeah. Like, there's just certain things that are bigger than those, like, weird yes. relationship quibbles that you just have to deal with and yeah. come together over. Yeah. Um, you know, what I told you, Mike, when we were texting about it earlier of like, sometimes bros fight. Yeah. And like, sometimes it's different afterwards. But mm-hmm. then. That was actually the alternate title to Captain America <laughs> oh, Civil War. Captain America. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes bros, bros fight. fight. <laughs> um, and, and so I just, I don't think everything's fine. I just think that they know, they're smart enough to know like what 
their responsibility is in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there is a significant change in this movie, but it would be incomplete and out of character for Steve to not extend an olive branch by the end of it. Yeah. Because he sees the situation going south, he can't help but fix it. Exactly. Like, you know, he he fought to go and protect his friend's life. It doesn't mean he hates Tony's guts. Yeah. So it makes some perfect sense with in keeping with his character for him to go and send that letter at the end. It's yeah. not like just some oh, way of maintaining the status quo or anything yeah. like that. Even though I know they're gonna go and get back together in another movie. But yeah. Yeah. you know, that letter is the completion or the fulfillment of who he is as a character, which is that he's gonna be by Tony when he needs him because yeah. he's also his friend still. He's his friend, but he has his moral like plumb line that this is who he is. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna follow that through. And you can't like not in the movie with that letter or <laughs> some sort of you know uh, gesture from Steve because it would just be incomplete. Yeah. you can't just leave there's it hanging. No, there's no arc there. Yeah, without yeah. That. yeah. So yeah. I, I disagree with that. I think that you know sometimes I feel like Hulk's criticisms. Are correct with some other Marvel movies where I feel like they were just giant advertisements. Yeah, for other ones. yeah. I, um, I didn't get that. No, like, there's not, none of that. This no. <laughs> there's yeah. none of that in this movie. Yeah, this one actually felt like it had stakes. Yeah, and you know maybe things will return to the status quo someday, slightly changed. That's not a bad thing. That's the way a family works. Is yeah. that you fight with people and then sometimes you come back together and you're yeah. still family. I mean, yeah. going back to that, like, you know, people who were dating and then broke up, like, maybe they'll get back together if, you know, they're still single mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, if they see each other at the weddings, like, oh, yeah, I did actually have, like, a real fondness or a good time with this yeah. person, you know? Yeah. Maybe that won't happen, but maybe it will, you know? That doesn't mean that something didn't happen, though. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. wasn't yeah. change along the way. Yeah. And so I disagree with that criticism. Yeah, it's yeah. it's weird. And also to just, like, I, I don't know, to call it, like, uh, are these even movies anymore? Like, that's a really narrow definition of what a movie mm-hmm. is, which we kind of talked about last week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just calling this, like, a character exhibitions, I feel like there's nothing wrong with that after 13 of these movies. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. why not? You know, like, that's the best way to handle this after 13 movies like this. Yeah, well, I, I think that, this format is suited for this. Yeah. yeah. That's the reason why we have this big cinematic universe in the first place. So if you're not at least taking advantage of Yeah, the it's like, why would you build it then? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it might be one other thing if eventually we had like a million cameos being stuffed in yeah. and it just feels pointless. But in this movie, I think it was handled well yeah. as we were talking yeah, about. I don't yeah. think it felt like that. And just, I guess, to kind of like wrap up, I think the MCU is in like a different state. They can go different places. I've I've read a couple reviews where people are like, nothing changed. The status quo went back to where it was. And I was like, no, it didn't. It radically changed. And now you're going to have like, you're, you have Tony, you know, with the Avengers registered with the government. And then you have Cap like potentially leading like the, the secret Avengers. And like, so there's a lot of different possibilities of what they could do. I mean, I if I'm a betting man, you know, they're going to have to come back for Infinity War. It's the thing bigger than like all of them. But, you know, for the next couple movies or when we hear about them, it's going to be like they're kind of at odds or like, you know, Steve's on the run or anyone associated with him, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's going to play into different films like, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp and Spider-Man Homecoming and, you know, because Iron Man's in that film and, you know, even the Black Panther movie, I wouldn't be surprised if like there's some element of like Captain America or the Winter Soldier in his movie. Oh yeah, they're going to come for Bucky in the Black Panther movie. That's why the pro-credit sequence stakes have changed. Things have changed. So it it doesn't go back to the status quo. I I don't think that's a a valid kind of argument for like the end of this film. Yeah, I agree. And they've also gotten most, like they only have 
what two origin stories in phase three mm-hmm. everything yeah. else was either established characters or taken care of in this movie yeah you've only got dr strange and miss marvel yeah yeah uh or captain marvel whatever yep. yeah um you know, and those are the only two origin stories. Like, Black Panther can hit the ground running. Spider-Man can hit the ground running. Yep. Um, you know, everything else is a sequel. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's a bold move on Marvel's part. I think it's really refreshing. I think yes. it's smart. I think that they're finally comfortable enough. Like, they know they're established after 13 movies and mm-hmm. billions yeah. of dollars. <laughs> that they know that, you know, people who are invested in this are invested in it for the long haul and they can get away with this. Yeah. And so I think that I think that we're about there's a big sea change in the Marvel movies for phase three. And Civil War shows it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we'll see that in Doctor Strange, although it looks like they're doing something different (laughs) in that that movie. You know, it'll probably have a lot of the same origin story trappings, which... You just kind of have to deal with an origin story, but it yeah. looks like like there's some mystical ish going on in this. Yeah. So you know that's going to be super different. But yeah, that's uh yeah that's it's everything's different mm-hmm. for sure. Yes. Like, nothing yeah. is the same until maybe after Infinity War, and even then, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It depends. Well, and also just in general with that ending of the movie, like Captain America needed to go and break those guys out of prison. Like yeah, he would, he, like the whole point of his character is not going to leave his friends hanging. So yeah. of course, the people he supported, he's not going to leave in a prison. And meanwhile, Tony, like he disagreed with them being locked up too, and that shows that his character had growth as well. Yeah, so, and he, so everything he, about he knows that, his hands are tied in essence, yeah. but he's still like. Steve's still my friend, even mm-hmm. though we had this thing, you know, it's like he ignores, like, Ross's phone call and it's yeah. just like, yeah, I'm going to let you do it. Yeah, the fact that characters act consistent yeah. doesn't make them, like, non-changing. It yeah. just means that they're, like, well, true to character. And also, yeah. does a character have to change in order to have a satisfying narrative? No, not always. Not necessarily. There's a lot of other things that make up a satisfying narrative. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Like, no one, like, they're, like, not everything has to end with a satisfying character change to mm-hmm. be, like, a good movie. Yeah. Um, one of the examples I've seen online is like Ghostbusters. Those guys are the same at the end of that movie. Like they already know ghosts exist. Yeah. So it's not like going up against this giant ghost at the end makes them any different. Like it is <laughs> not now a believer. Yeah. yeah it has not affected end. their worldview whatsoever. That's the reason they started being Ghostbusters. In yeah. The first yeah. So like there's there's no character arcs in yeah. in Ghostbusters of, for the four main guys. Mm-hmm. People love that movie. Yeah. yeah. It's true. <laughs> so yeah, I don't. I I mean yeah. Um. Are we good? I think we're good. I think we are. Okay. I mean, we could talk forever about yeah, this. Yeah, I but could too. But I think we, we hit the all the nails that we had to last, on the head. La- last thing, quick. Go around the table. Team Cap? Team, team Cap. Man. Team Cap. Team Cap. Team Cat. Black Panther. Meow. <laughs> 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 um... <laughs> Anyway, uh, you can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes. Uh, rate us. Uh, give us five stars. You can find us on YouTube. Yep. Um, a new video every Tuesday before and after show. Look us up. Subscribe. It'll get right in your inbox. This week uh, I, is maybe the most savage video we've ever posted. Yeah. Uh, it's a solo video with me, and I go after Vulture. Uh, Vulture's review of this movie pretty hard. Yeah. And uh, it's great. It's good. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, do that. Uh, next Tuesday, we're going to be talking about the nice guys. Yeah. Uh, next Thursday, we're going to be talking about... Oh. I've got this. We're going to be talking about... X-Men. X-Men. Yes. 
<laughs> Apocalypse. Have fun. Yep. Oh no, next week. <laughs> Wait, no. Next it, week's an in-between show. Oh, it is. I mean, we can talk about X-Men. No, you don't. No, you we really have a special don't. guest for X-Men. Yeah, we do. Yep. Um, anyway, next week we're going to be an in-between show. I promise you we have our schedule. What are we talking Where are we talking about? We're talking about blockbusters, right? Yeah, we're going to talk about the history of the summer blockbuster, uh, I think. Yes. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so make sure you tune in on that. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Before and After Pod. That's at Before, the letter N, After Pod. Mm-hmm. You can follow me on Twitter at MJSmith891. Follow me at Cat in the Hat 49 Mike, are you on Twitter? No, not yet. That's I'm fine. Like, yeah, I think I'm good. <laughs> yep. One day. Uh, until <laughs> next time, go see Captain America Civil War. Yep. I thought that was a water truck. <laughs> that was a great line. Yeah. <laughs> Makana-san. Makana-san. <laughs>